0: This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. The title of our message today is Coming to the End of Self. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 6.6 6. What happened when Jesus went into that water? Now I find it kind of interesting that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, who actually is the being that we serve and we worship and we exalt, had to go into the water, had to be baptized, had to walk out of the water, and stood there on the edge of, of, of the river, and asked for the Holy Spirit to possess His mortal body. Those are the actual steps of salvation. But why Jesus Christ? Why did he have to go through it? There was no sin in his mortal body. Answers? What's that? Do you, yes. Do you, do you know the, the reality of actually the, the statements that are being made about co-crucifixion? About co-burial? and about co-resurrection, and about coexistence at the right hand of the Most High, that means that Jesus Christ Himself, our husband, had to go through absolutely every single step that was required of us. The only difference is He took everyone's sins on, and He literally became sin. So that we could completely come out of that water 100% clean. And we have to talk about the details of that today. These aren't just, these aren't just interesting theological passages. This is, this is the real life. This is where the life of Christ hits the road. And this morning we're going to be talking about the details, which is like the rubber on the wheels. Without this, there's absolutely no way that any Christian can live the victorious Christian life. It is impossible. If they do not understand co-crucifixion, they cannot understand co-burial. If they don't understand co-burial, it is impossible for them to understand the power of co-resurrection. That means they cannot understand the power that's inside these hands as a believer. Someone tell me what they used to do with the snot rags from Paul's pocket. Huh? Used to be healed by it. Yeah, he'd literally take out a, 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 a napkin, which was a snot rag, that he blew the dust of the desert in. They would take napkins out of his pockets, and they would take these napkins to people, and people would touch these napkins, and they were healed. You see, Paul understood the power of resurrection because he understood his co-burial with Jesus Christ because he embraced co-crucifixion. You cannot have the power to live daily without understanding the power of death. So let's talk about the Hebrew word rest. We really cannot understand the we cannot really understand the process of experiencing the power of God until you actually rest. So God worked for like seven days to put this earth together, right? Oh six days. And then what happened on the seventh? He rested. He rested. here's what it means in the hebrew is to return to the cross you have the uh... to actually get the definition of rest you have to read these two word pictures together so we're going to start putting hebrew words together now that requires two three or four words being word pictures being put together to understand the word itself. So, when you put together shin and bet, you have return. And if you remember, tav is, is the key word picture in Torah. The cross. So, to rest is actually to return to the cross. So now, if I am anxious for something, and by the way there are many people the reason why I wanted to show you that that clip earlier about these these two Christians you know doing all the Christian things and saying all the Christian things and and but as soon as they put their hands down they enjoy the relationship with each other but they treat Christ in their relationship with Christ like he's some kind of memorized book that is ninety nine point nine percent of the Christian life they don't handle Christ like he is a Real husband. A real person. So they fake it. So they say stuff like, well, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, I will let my request be made known unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And they sound so right. And they sound so right on. But in reality, they don't know how to experience the power of Jesus Christ so in order for me to understand the power of living as a wife I have to understand the power of my husband Jesus Christ I'm a bridal member of Christ in order for me to rest as as a wife I have to actually understand that my husband is the one to bear the cross. I have to actually understand it's my husband who takes all of my burdens and puts it on him or in his burden and he takes them away and throws them as far as the east is from the west, quote-unquote. Then I can have rest. See, those people had to return to the power of the cross that day. They had to be reminded whether it was their first time or whether it was their 100th time. It is the only way to rest is to return to the truth of the cross. But that's not all. Hebrew has another word which is really two words which is to rest. It's the active pathway of getting to rest and that is what comes from the life that was nailed so now I go to the cross and Jesus says come unto me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest did he not say that yes he did so to rephrase that come unto me Jesus saying come unto me all of you who are weary, le, weary and heavy laden, but you must first return to the cross. Now that you're at the cross, you must process, appropriate what comes from the life that was nailed to the Tav. So, Nun Vav her, which is the life that comes, or is secured to the nailed, the one who is secured to this, this wooden cross, the word that is most frequently used, is secured. He cannot ever, or nor can anyone, reverse what was done. It is a secure action that takes place and the reason why that the Catholics kept Jesus on the cross is because their theologians can actually read what you're reading. So they kept him on the cross. Because they wanted the people every single Saturday and Sunday looking at this and realizing that's where it's all at. And in reality it's only the beginning. But we must return to it for our sake, not for Christ's sake. We're not to re-crucify him every single Saturday. We are to look at the life that comes from that what was nailed to the cross. And as you know, there is a whole lot that came with being nailed to the cross that day. This exchange life thing that we are, we've been talking about the past couple weeks is not only something that starts our new life, but if a person does not understand the true exchange that took place, they will war the rest of their life with the black dog and the white dog. And that's bad theology. There are many churches out there that believe the old nature, new nature are still alive and well. We were asked by two churches here locally not to come to their church because of my beliefs about the old nature has been crucified with Christ. That there is no old nature. You say, then why do we get tempted to do bad things? Because we get tempted to do bad things. We have sin that is inside of our mortal bodies. But this sin is like the trash that was in that can that kept overspilling into our lives. The reason why that we have to have renewal of mind is because our mind has been damaged by the memories of sin and sins that we've committed. So we have to have renewal of mind. But either Paul and Jesus and Peter and those guys were lying to us, or they were telling us the truth that the old man has been crucified. The old nature is actually how it translates out, has been crucified and is no longer alive. It's dead. So we got to kind of look at, well, what's really going on here then? Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24 say, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you may uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. There's so much in that one simple passage it would take a week to preach it all out. You see, Jesus is the truth. He, truth, got nailed to the cross. The way got nailed to the cross. The life got nailed to the cross. And the whole when that happened when the way the truth and life to all of life e- eternally past present future when all of that got nailed to the cross that day there was absolutely not one molecule of life that could sustain itself and that is why the entire world went dark do you understand that The way, the truth, and the life got nailed to that tree that day, and all of light, all of life went dark. It could not sustain itself because its life source, Jesus Christ, the betrothed one, truth, has been put on the cross. Without him, there is no life, there's no light. There's nothing but a black hole in space. And people are going to realize that one day. Hell is not going to be a party scene where everyone's sitting around tattooing themselves. It won't be. Everyone will have their own dark pit. And they will not be able to have any type of Communication comes from the actual Hebrew word oneness. There will be zero oneness in eternity for them. They will be in a black hole by themselves with no ability to have any type of communication with any form of life because there is no life. That's what hell will be. Satan himself will be Falling endlessly into a pit of darkness. He will not even be able to enjoy his followers. The debauchery, the sin, the muck of his followers. He won't even be able to get in touch with it. He will be descending into his lower pit forever. And in each one of these hollow, empty, black holes is going to be gnashing of teeth and fire and a a, a constant thirst. And never have it. And all they'll experience is one of the 13 names of Satan. Alone. The alone one. The independent one. Why does he tempt Christians and non-Christians to be independent every day, 24 hours a day? Is because it replicates one of his 13 names. Alone. Independent. Oh, you'll get to be your own god of your own little pit if you're unsaved. But there will be no one to rule. Not even yourself. So yeah, just this piece, betrothment inside Jesus. Truth from Hebrew means betrothed. Truth, troth. Engagement is in Jesus. He's actually giving us the gospel here. To be engaged, you have to be engaged in Jesus. So anyone who is of truth, is someone who is engaged to Jesus Christ. Anyone who is of the lie, which is another one of the 13 names of Satan, is engaged to deception. And right here, lust of deceit. The old self was, and for some people, is engaged to deceit. Another one of the 13 names of Satan. So you just lie, 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 lie because you are functioning as the one who you're engaged to. So to be engaged to Jesus, you get everything that Jesus has. You get engaged to Satan and you get everything that Satan has. Past, present, and future. See, when I was transferred out of my old deceitful self, nature, and transferred into the kingdom of light. And now I'm standing in eternal life, forever that way, forever that way. And here I am, 16 years of age, being transferred into the kingdom of light. When I look into my rearview mirror, I actually am supposed to see the... Life of Jesus Christ. When I look into the future, I am supposed to see the life of Jesus Christ. When I look into my present, I am to see the life of Jesus Christ. So what was true about him on the cross, I look in the rear view mirror and see him on the cross, it is true for me. That's how it happens. When I look into the future and I see the life of, the, of Christ in the future which Revelations and Ezekiel and those passages give me a, a glimmer of, I'm seeing me. So when John was brought up into the heavens and given the eyes of the Spirit, he saw himself a couple thousand years later That is amazing to me. He also was able to turn around and see the fiery pits of hell. Eternal. The darkness in which Satan came from. Before this earth was made. Because of a decision he made. So when God created that pit, that dark hole, He created that pit, that dark hole, that is forever going to be a dark hole from the moment satan decided to choose to try to be god alone independent god with a little g i'm going to show you a video clip next week of pictures from the hubble i took my grandson into the the uh, space museum in hutch and they have this video which doesn't mean they got it from God2, but god too probably got it from NASA. But it actually proves there are borders to our universe. You can see when the stars stop, that, that thing is so far out there. You can see that things have been created. And there is just massive darkness after that. When God's done with this globe, he will take it, since it's a footstool to him, he will take it, and he will boot the earth into quote unquote outer darkness. There every star, if you remember Revelation and Ezekiel, every star will be turned out. Pure darkness. There is no way John or anyone else can clearly describe that routine, that that scenario that is coming. It is so incredibly dark. And this new earth that Jesus Christ is working on right now, there's so much arguing amongst theologians over this new earth, about rebuilding this one, A couple of our good friends who are authors believe that one. Versus a brand new earth. And this earth, if you understand the fullness of the gospel, this earth is not going to be in darkness. It will be in pure light and there will be no purpose for a sun. The very life and light of the glory of God, will light the earth. No stars. The stars were put in their place for two reasons. One is to shed forth redemptive light. Second is to show Abraham the number of descendants from his seed. And when you look at all the scriptures, you will see there is a strict purpose For the boundaries of our present universe. There's nothing out there but darkness after that. No solar systems, no planets. The reason why there's something inside man to find some kind of life on another planet, they know this one's doomed. They can feel it in here, they know this earth is in trouble. So what do they want? A backup plan. There isn't one. My dad in his most secular state said this to me. He says, when man starts playing with time, Christ shall return. I said, why do you believe that, dad? He said, if you are actually able to time warp, You're in God's realm. You can manipulate the clock. It's the only thing man can't touch. is the clock. That's what John entered into. A domain that God doesn't even get bothered by anything in the past, present, or future. Well, we are very close to time warping. We have a very dear friend who is a is a special forces flight. What do they call it? pilot? And we asked him one time. Him and his wife. His wife worked at NORAD and all this secret stuff. And he was a special missions pilot to the newest cutting edge. Aircraft that won't be talked about for another 30 years. And I asked him before he went off to the Middle East to do some fighting and practicing on one of these with one of these new aircrafts. I asked him, How close are we to actually time warping? She got up and left the room. She wanted, ah, la, la, la. she wanted no part of if her husband was going to say something. Well, he is such a man of integrity, he didn't answer me. But he did say this. He said, Steve, time is, I mean, uh, speed is no longer an issue for the United States Air Force. It's what happens after the speed. In other words, traveling light speed is no longer an issue. Our technology has arrived at it. Back in the 50s, my father was dematerializing stuff in, in England. So, there's stuff being played around with the edges of God's domain that is even behind one of the reasons why God comes, Jesus comes, to stop it all. Because man is getting so crafty, so smart, so alone, that he is tampering with the edges of of the clock and as soon as you pass that clock you're in the domain of God gospel according to others I believe this is what causes the world to go around I believe this is what has formed the emergent church I believe this is what did form the church of Laodicea. The lukewarm church. It's what these leaders say the gospel really means. And they've kind of reformed it and changed it to be a whole lot of things it is not. And how does that happen? It happens actually through this self-perception some people thinking, well, I am a peacekeeper, and I am a, oh, I am a teacher, and I am a, and they have these, these, these self-perceived ideas, and their whole worldview starts coming from being a peacekeeper. So therefore, Christ is coming. I get an email from a guy this week that said, "Christ is coming to bring peace," because he was perceiving from my emails that. I was saying, Christ does not care about peace. And I responded with, no, he's not. That was the first time. The second time, he's coming with a sword in his hand, fire in his eyes, and he's going to be ready and willing to save his bride at all costs, to the point of shedding blood that's going to go up to the bridles of the horses. So much blood, if, you, if you're reading your Bible, so much blood that the river of blood is 10 miles wide and 210 miles long. That's a lot of blood. Either that or God's joking with us. No, He's not coming to bring peace. He's not into global peace. But see, This one person has spent his or her whole life being a peacekeeper. That when they become a spiritual leader of a church, they think it's all about peace. They take one verse about being at peace with all men and they make it the gospel. They make it demonic doctrine, is what they're making it. Jesus is peace. And the only way to have peace is to be put inside him and him inside you. So you become peace. Then you can have peace with fellow brethren, at least on your side. Jesus didn't have peace with the people he dealt with. So here's the model of man we have the body, the soul, and the spirit. Someone dig up for us 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and then another person Hebrews uh, 4.12. Now the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Now I'm going to use some terminology here of dichotomy and trichotomy. And these two churches I am referencing here locally use these terminology and they know exactly what it is that they mean by this, but a trichotomist is myself and that is taking 1 Thessalonians 5.23 quite literally, whereas they believe they are dichotomist, which is the soul and the spirit are the same thing. Therefore the old nature can still stay alive. It's a very subtle deception. There's a Bible translation out there, and I'm not going to be ashamed to say it, it's called NIV. NIV theologians purposed to ignore the scriptures that talked about trichotomy. The theologians believed they were dichotomous and they believed that the soul and the spirit are the same thing. So in as you read Romans 6, you won't find the same thing in that you will find an NASB or the King James or the New King, King James or ESV. You won't find the same thing because they have put these two together as one to keep the black dog alive. And that's why we're waging war. Well, no man can serve two masters. It's not consistent with full Scripture. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's our psychological part of us. Who has 1 Thessalonians 5.23? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the interesting thing is, is each of the translations, they cannot ignore this in the Greek because the Greek actually uses three parts. So there are a couple passages they didn't mess with because it would really be classified as adding or deleting from the Word of God. It is a sanctification process that we are in of body, soul, and spirit. The psychological is how we relate to others, mind-willing emotions. The spirit is what relates to a spiritual being, hopefully God but it also is what relates to Satan. There are spiritual people all over this globe who have some very strange, evil beliefs. And it is because their spirits are engaged to Satan, the father of lies. So the spirit is, every human being is given this intuition this conscience and this communion. But the question is with who? It's always been the question of Christianity. Who's your daddy? The body is what relates to the physiological part of man is what relates to our environment. So who has Hebrews 412? For the word of God is living- and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, in that passage, which is one of my favorite verses, how many parts are being talked about there? And the Word of God, which is sharper than a what? Two-edged sword, which is literally able to come in and divide what? The Word of God is designed like a razor of cutting the seam between the soul and the spirit. And it's able to get in there and judge every thought and intention of the soul. And it is so powerful, it can continue to move on and get into the body, the marrow, inside your bones, which back then they didn't even know existed. And the terminology is used. The Word of God is Christ, for I am the Word, and I came to dwell among you so you could behold the glory, the glory of the the one and only. You see, it is Christ through the Holy Spirit that gets in there and divides the soul from the Spirit, judges every thought and intention of the heart, causing this person to fall on their knees and literally get up from their... their uh, what's the word I'm hunting for? They're cot and walk away. See, Jesus wasn't just interested in causing people to grow a leg and walk away. He was interested in sanctifying the body, the soul, and the spirit through the power of the Word of God, getting in and accurately dividing. This Adamic nature, this old nature, has to be crucified with Christ. No coexisting, no co-living, no co-life, no co-masters, that is opposite of the truth it has to die once we we become born again we're given salvation we're given the assurance of our salvation we are given security Secure to the cross? Well, if all the terminology we've been using in the past three weeks about being secured to the cross is truly secure, and we have been co crucified with Christ, we are secure in our salvation. We are secure in what happened on the cross. We can't pull our hand off from those nails, which is our sins, remember? And when Jesus consumed the nails, the Hebrew, He consumed our sins. That's why He became sin. So when He secured us to the cross, He secured us security of salvation. And then acceptance. For He is accepted in the Beloved. Ephesians chapter 1, 13. He's made us accepted in the Beloved. And it's after you heard the gospel of your salvation this happens. In fact, I'd like to have someone look up that verse those verses for me. I believe it does start at 13, it might start a little earlier, but Ephesians chapter 1. And then I will continue on and explain total commitment. And the last piece is the total commitment, which actually comes under what is classified a covenant total covenant there's salt covenants there's grain covenants and there's blood covenants so this is a total covenant of death of blood death covenants can never be reversed it's impossible it's like going back into your mama's belly and reversing the process of being born again. And that was the illustration Jesus obviously said to the Pharisees. You can't do that. They were saying to him, is it possible for a man to go into his mother's womb after being born once? And, he's, and Jesus saying to them, for you do not understand. That's why it has to be a blood covenant. It has to be a death covenant. Because you can't go back in this way, like you guys are thinking. It has to be a completely born again experience. Who has the passage for us? And him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed that you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise? Okay, now. You hear the gospel, you're we're actually being given the steps here. After hearing the gospel of your your salvation, and being sealed with your own mental capabilities to be sealed with your own ideas of the gospel to be see- no what are we sealed with holy spirit promise i don't have jesus's mortal body living inside me i have the holy spirit living inside me who is christ jesus the very spirit of Jesus lives inside me and seals me with the Holy Spirit of promise. This portion of our life is perfect. You want to talk about doctrines of perfection. That's the only part of the Trinity of man you can say the Trinity, the doctrines of perfection are true. But see, when the Adamic nature was in control... There was all of these horrific, horrible things that got left behind. Now, I don't know all of you guys' childhoods and your rejection syndromes and all that kind of stuff, but I certainly do know mine, and as soon as I was born, I was put into this bubble, this oxygen tent, and I was there off and on till after I was five years of age. and. I was allergic to the environment. I was allergic to skin, the oils on skin. I was allergic to everything. And I have memories of my mother trying to touch me through rubber gloves and having to breathe oxygen through this oxygen tent. And then when I got out, my brothers and sisters informed me that they hated me because I got all this attention. Well, my brother who became a pastor, I'm married to Jane by this point. They come knocking on the door, and Karen takes Jane out to dinner and or coffee, and Pat comes in. And he's got this look of like he had to confess something. I don't know. My pastor brothers commit adultery or something. He and we go in and we sit down, and he's tearing up, and this is just a real old tough moment for him. And I'm just like, well, I gotta, this, this is tough brother. And he says, Steve, do you remember the time when you broke your arms? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, when I was 11 years old, I broke both of my arms. This arm was here and here, and this one was here and here. And I thought it was just a simple thing of falling out of the tree, swing, and when in reality, he untied the rope. And he confesses to me that day that he was trying to kill me. Okay, we're grown men, and I'm a little bit shocked here. And I have struggled my whole life with inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy, guilt, and worries, doubts, and fears, and whatever. This is why I was attracted to Charles Solomon, who is the man who God gave these diagrams to in the 70s. Because it spoke exactly what I was experiencing. And after that confession, he says, Remember the time when I was chasing you around the house with the shotgun and I finally put you to the ground and had my foot on your chest and the shotgun was in your face? I said, Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. In In fact, I said, Pat, I remember the double barrel shaking. He says the gun was loaded. And he went on and confessed some other things and whatever. And I realized that the inferiority and insecurity and inadequacies that I was experiencing was true. I was hated. And it was a few years later, as my kids know, that the other brothers, the other brother and sister confessed that they ran on trying to kill me several times too. So my whole childhood was filled with insecurities and inferiorities and and abuse and on and on and on and on. Satan, because Christ wasn't here yet, my old nature was empowering my soul, so therefore it was confirming all these inferiority, insecurity, inadequacies as truth, The fact is, is that Satan was programming my mind so that if there was a day when I would receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that I would believe the lies versus the truth. And he was right. Even after getting saved, I suffered years of believing this as truth. And this as some type of cosmic idea of maybe I'll get it after I die. There you have your average Christian right there. So all Satan has to do even after I accepted Jesus Christ into my life at 16 years of age. And he goes, oops, there goes another one. He can count on the programming that I have in here. And that's why renewal of mind has to happen after you're saved. The exchange. So all he has to do is create a few family problems, money problems, work problems, and bring that attack in here and it creates frustrations. The result of frustrations is always hostility. And if I haven't told you before, I will tell you today, the Greek and Hebrew definitions of hostility is a refusal to be hospitable. To share in companionship. It comes from one of Satan's 13 names. Alone. Leave me alone. So when people get frustrated, it attacks self, not Christ. It attacks self, and their response is hostility. Leave me alone. And actually what the person is saying, if they stopped and thought about it, they're saying, let me go to hell. You want to know why one of the common words is to go to hell? When you're upset at someone? And these words come out of these people's mouth? is because that's what the soul is crying out. The flesh life, self life that mirrors the image of Satan says, I am alone. Leave me alone. So I can do these things. And that can happen even if you're a born-again Christian. If you lose sight of the old nature have been crucified with Christ. And the the Holy Spirit's just kind of sitting off here to keep its promise, being sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. If I think for one minute that this garbage is going to affect the stuff in my spirit, then I am deceived nothing's going to penetrate the Spirit. Nothing. The Scriptures don't say the Word of God comes in and divides the soul from the Spirit to come in and judge the Spirit. It says the Word of God comes in to divide the soul from the Spirit to judge every thought and intention of my heart so it can renew it. So, all this stuff starts building up and it dumps into the body and we start getting tension headaches we start our bodies just start wearing down by all of the garbage that is in our soul so you have Satan attacking from the outside to affect the the body like allergies and blah 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 then you have him attacking through getting you focused on yourself life I am the king of my own darkness. No, you're not even the king of your own darkness. But that's what he wants you to think. Is every person is king of their own dark place. And in reality, they are being controlled by another dark force. So all this stuff mounts up, dumps into here, and creates more bondage for the body, and so that the self-life can continue to remain hostile, alone, independent, arrogant, so that you will continue to commit these things that he knows, Satan knows, God will take action on. And he will. I don't care who you are. You could be Billy Graham. If you got a list like that going on, he's going to take action. So Satan's counting on that. He, he knows this is perfect. But as long as self thinks I am the king of my own darkness, this will rule his or her life. And then he's got him. Even as a Christian, he's got him in the clutches of his own darkness. Well, God doesn't want us living there, He wants what is true here to overflow into the mind, the will, and the emotions. So that we experience the unspeakable joy instead of inferiority. We have His mind instead of, well, my opinion on that topic is, God doesn't care what you think. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound too rude, but He doesn't care what you think. He's not interested in coexisting with your mind. He's not wanting to help your mind feel peace and accepted and think it's a part of his existence. Yeah. The minds have to exchange. He's to take my mind, stuff it in his black bag, drag it out, and throw it as far as the east is from the west so that I may have his mind, Philippians two two. I must have his mind to think every day. My mind is depraved, I'm sorry. The old nature messed it up really bad. So now we have his peace, his strength, his resources. The self is being appropriated as crucified with Christ. Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is the one doing the controlling. Therefore, I get the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and long-suffering, etc., etc., Anytime you bump into a Christian who prays about one of the fruits, they don't understand the exchange life. Well, I'm gonna pray this week for love. I'm gonna in my devotions, I'm gonna focus on joy. That's the guys and the gals standing there going, I am crucified for Christ, nevertheless, i have have they're just working so hard to appropriating the grapes. Well, the only thing you're gonna get is Walmart specials. Plastic. Because love, joy, peace, patience is singular in the Greek. It's single. It's one cluster of grapes and it comes together. Pray for it all day long for a whole week and what you're going to get is more of this. Goodness that is manifested by a choice, not by a life. So, God wants us being in order to do, not to do in order to be. Be in Christ. Be focused on Christ in order to do these. Whenever the list in Galatians gets switched, you can be assured your self-life is in control again. And to be honest with you, I think my mentor is right. Ninety percent of the Christians that walk the face of the earth have no clue what that life is like that you're staring at. No clue. They'll quote you the scriptures. They'll write books about it. They have no clue. Total Surrender, 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God which only can come through the Spirit. This passage right here is impossible without truly appropriating what we've just talked about. The last week's sermon about the line diagrams of being transferred into the kingdom of light, this is the result. You see, there's nothing wrong with us getting up every day saying, God, I am weak. I am frail. I don't feel like I'm going to make it through the day. First I'm going to hear, which is what I hear all the time, Yes, Stephen, you're correct. You will not make it through this day without me. See, He wants even my breath, and I have learned through my heart failure stuff that even my breath is dependent on Christ. I've never had that before. Never had to have that before. So when even when my breath is labored, I am clinging to God saying, God, if I pray, give me my breath, then I'm praying the wrong thing. But if I say, oh God, take this frail, weak life of mine and let it be a living sacrifice for you today, holy, acceptable, so you can use it according to your divine purpose, then I'm getting it. Our prayer today is I thank you that my identification with Christ makes me totally acceptable that my need is met by Christ Jesus. I yield myself totally to the indwelling Christ as an act of obedience. Do with me whatever you choose. I am asking you to make your truth a reality in my experience. Glorify and manifest your Son in my life. I am trusting in you to do what I can't do. Quit what I can't quit. And most of all, to to be what I can't be. And I thank you for renewing my mind and healing my damaged emotions as you transform my life and live your life through me. I thank you for saving me from sin and from my wicked self and for the victory which is now mine through him in Christ's name. If you look at the Hebrew like we did today, in order to enter that rest, we must enter to the, into the cross. Therefore, co-crucifixion and all the scriptures supporting co-crucifixion is Jesus, is God the Father saying, that's how I made it possible for you to enter into the cross. You're literally there in the cross with me. Now you may have rest. I'm telling you, those who do not understand co-crucifixion have fake Christian lives. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way. And I know that's offensive to a lot of churches who are performance-based and who are into works and who are into doing the right things and being obedient and all of that. I can't be obedient. Well, that is obedience. I can't. Well, classically, it takes three days to deal with the sin of stubbornness. So that's why I cannot expect as a preacher to have you guys walk out today transformed by this message. It should make you mad. Either because you've been lied to your whole life or because you're fighting it. But stubbornness, you've got to understand this. Stubbornness is the same Hebrew word as witchcraft. It means born of Satan. Stubbornness. Someone who is stubborn is someone who's born in witchcraft. I must have control so when when he said in numbers that sin that stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft, divination that's what's being communicated and it takes three days typically to break someone down with a piece of truth. Jonah had to be in there. Three days before he had this prayer come out of him. Jesus had to experience it three days of darkness. A stubborn person is more interested in witchcraft than they are in the life of Jesus Christ. And there is stubbornness in this room. And it will destroy marriages, it will destroy children, it will destroy generations, it will destroy you. And witchcraft says, I must be in control. And God usually says, then let it be. Remember at the end of that little clip, when Jesus stands there and goes, okay, this is the way you want it. Jesus does let Christians have the kind of Christian life that they want to have because they demand stubbornness. But it's not His will. This is the kind of life, folks, right here that God is asking of all of us. Right there. Not I, but Christ. So let the three days Work in you what needs to be worked in. Please, I pray to the Lord God, let the gospel be real this morning. Don't walk away from this presentation as it's a presentation. Take the truth and wrestle with it and and ask God, Am I in witchcraft? Am I suffering witchcraft? And if I am, show me where that I may let go of the craftiness of Satan. Self-control. The only kind of self-control you'll have that's victorious is by one of the grapes, remember? Self-control. Which is spirit control. Any other kind of self-control is evil. Passion. Passion of the Christ, true passion, is deliverance from self. And I am not afraid to say Steve Finney's self life is the exact mirrored image of the face of Satan. It is. And I refuse to buy into the old nature being alive. I will not. God dealt with that graven imagery, gave me a new face, new life, so that I may stand in front of the mirror and even moments after sinning, and God will still say, You are my chosen one. You are my holy one. You are my beloved. You are mine. But Lord, I just sinned. You are mine. You labor me by putting your sins before me over and over. But he will continue to keep his promise and stuffing them in the bag and going into the water and purifying us. Father, I pray in the power and authority of Jesus Christ to take this message. God, that you would run it deep in our souls that you would chase out every form of stubbornness and God you would just cause us cause our mind our will and our emotions to respond to truth and Father I pray that this three days that typically truth needs to accomplish its will I pray that in these three days (coughs) that we would sooner or later Father let go of any form of stubbornness that is inside of our hearts. We love you so very much, Lord, and we pray for the truth to be uh, bred into every pocket, every corner of our, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and even in our bodies. May the truth of the Spirit fill us up completely. We thank you, praise you, and honor you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events. And we will work to keep the focus on God Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. a a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare